The first part of the reading is taken from Luke chapter 1, verses 5 to 25. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless, both very old. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the parents to, the ch to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you'll be silent and not able to speak until this day happens, because you did not believe in my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. And this, his wife Elizabeth, became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, he said. In these days he has shown his favour and taken away my disgrace among the people. This is the word of the Lord. So more from Luke chapter 1 in a few minutes' time. But uh, in the meantime, let's stand and express our worship. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what, what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. 
Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to the town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. This is the word of the Lord. Morning, everyone. Let's just pray together. Heavenly Father, we pray that our hearts may be stilled and our ears open to hear the very words of God this morning. Lord, may we recognize your voice. May we know that it's you speaking to us. And may we respond with faith and love to your calling. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How do we know what's true? I saw this um, sign recently. It looks authentic, but is it? How do we know what's true? How do we know who we can trust? With Brexit, will we be better off or worse off after Brexit? Who do we trust? What's fake news and what's real news? If Jeremy becomes Prime Minister, will we be bankrupted or will he take us to a new utopia? With Manchester United, was it Jose or was it the players? Who do you believe? How do we know what's true? We tend to become sceptical. We come to be sceptical over everyone and everything. And when you go back even to the Garden of Eden, the serpent even tried to persuade us that we can't even trust what God says as being the whole truth. This morning I want to look at the two main characters in our two readings, Zechariah and Mary. Both were given the promise of an, of an unlikely son and both were given the same message. But there were two very different responses. One doubted, one believed. Two announcements, two recipients, two babies, but the same messenger, the messenger Gabriel. Who was Gabriel? Well, we first meet Gabriel in the book of Daniel when God sends Gabriel to interpret Daniel's dream for him. And Daniel says that when he met Gabriel, he was terrified and he fell to the ground. And Daniel describes him as a man who came to him in swift flight. That was hundreds of years previously. And then we meet Gabriel again as Zechariah the priest performs his duty in the holy place in the temple. And Gabriel appears next to the altar, 
That's a place that no one but the priest is permitted to go. And Zechariah is terrified. And next we meet Gabriel in Nazareth with Mary. And she is greatly troubled. Zechariah asks Gabriel this question, who are you? And Gabriel gives this answer, I come from standing in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you. I am Gabriel and I'm a messenger from God and I come with God's good news. But this is the thing I want us to consider this morning. How did Zechariah and Mary react to basically the same message that God was giving to them? Zechariah was an old priest, grounded in God's word, grounded in the dealings that God had had over the centuries with his people. He'd have known about Abraham and his wife Sarah, who was too old to have a son, and the miracle that happened in their lives. And that must have been the inspiration, I think, for them praying for a son, because Gabriel comes to him and in verse 13 says, your prayer has been heard. So if an unlikely miracle is going to happen, Zechariah looks to be a likely candidate. But what about Mary? She's just a teenager. She's unmarried. She's a virgin. She's living modestly in the backwater of Nazareth. It's very unlikely, isn't it? No chance of a son here, you'd have thought. Now, the reaction of Zechariah and Mary on the surface look very similar. Both are frightened and both ask a question. Zechariah is the first one to ask a question. He says this, how can I be sure that what you're telling me is true? I'm an old man and my wife is well on in years. And Mary says, how can this be since I'm a virgin? Same question, how? but a different attitude behind the question. Zechariah says, how can I trust you? How do I know it's true? Mary says, what are the mechanics that are going to make this happen? Zechariah's question was a question of doubt. Mary's question was a question of faith. The young girl believes. The old priest doesn't. And Gabriel and Elizabeth, between the two of them, tell us the difference between these two questions. Gabriel responds to Zechariah's question by striking him dumb for at least nine months. Why? Because you did not believe my words, which will come true in their proper time. He doubted. Conversely, Mary is praised by Elizabeth. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. Doubt and faith, two contrasting responses to God's message. One of the nice little Christmas traditions we have in our household is sitting down just before Christmas and watching Miracle on 34th Street. Anybody seen that? Ooh, not as many as I would have thought. Right, I won't give a spoiler away, but you must see it. It's on Channel 4 tomorrow at 6 p.m. For those who haven't seen it, it basically centers on a court case to prove the existence of Santa Claus. And right at the end, we are reminded that the American people have faith in God by the single declaration that is made on a $1 bill. 
It says, in God we trust. In God we trust. And for Zechariah and for Mary, that's what was put to the test. Did they trust in God? One doubted, one believed. Now, it's inconceivable that Zechariah, as a priest, would have said anything other than, I trust in God. It was part of his job description. He even prayed for things which were humanly impossible. But at the critical moment, he was found wanting. He needed to walk by sight. He needed proof. He needed it to be checked out. He didn't know if God's word was true. But Mary's default position was that she trusted God implicitly. All she needed to ask was, how will this happen? See, her faith wasn't theoretical. It was real. It wasn't academic. It was practical. Her faith held strong in the most incredible of circumstances. So whose faith best describes your own experience? Do you have a faith that you can talk about or do you have a faith that weathers the storms of life? A faith that is open to God and open to his direction. Faith needs to be an immovable anchor in our lives. Faith needs to be able to withstand all that's thrown at it. Do you remember the scenes earlier this week? A Russian cargo ship dragged its anchor. It didn't hold firm and it ended up on a beach in Falmouth. Its anchor failed. Soon we'll be looking into a new year with the joys and the sorrows that inevitably will come. It will have opportunities. It will have setbacks. How firm will your faith hold in the circumstances of life? Because life is a testing ground of faith. Life is where we learn to trust God. It's where we experience that what he says is true. It's where we understand that what he says can be trusted. There was something about Mary which meant that God saw the quality of her life and her faith. We're not told what it was, but somewhere she had learned to implicitly trust God. And as a result, she was chosen to play a significant part in God's story and our history. See, faith is like a muscle. It's something that is strengthened as it's exercised. Small steps lead to larger steps. Faith is built and becomes more resilient. We become more trusting as we are open to God's leading. Are you able to say, Lord, I trust you completely? I put my life in your hands unreservedly? We able to say what Mary said, do with me as you wish, I am your servant. God has a purpose he wants to work out through your life. The test for you is this, am I willing to really trust God? Am I willing to step out of the boat as Peter did when he calls? Am I willing to give him all that I am and all that I have? We read in the Bible those who failed that test. We read of the rich young ruler whose face fell 
and went away sad because he loved his wealth more than he loved Jesus. We read of King Agrippa who, when Paul is testifying to him, says, Paul, I'm almost persuaded to become a Christian. Almost. Are you one of those who says, yes, yes, Lord, to your call on my life? We don't need to be perfect. One of the great glories of the story of Zechariah is that despite not accepting God's purpose immediately, and after a period of self-inflicted difficulty, God still fulfilled his purpose through Zechariah's life. And you may not have responded in the past in the way that God wanted you to, but he hasn't given up on you. You're not excluded from his blessing because of past failures. You might just have made life harder for yourself, but open your heart and trust him in everything. Know his promise and let him open his heart to you. You may think, it's too late to change. I'm too stuck in my ways. Yesterday afternoon, I was at Wembley Stadium with my two grandsons, and I learned a very interesting fact. I learned that Wembley Stadium has more public toilets than any other building in Europe. 2,800 plus. But that actually isn't the interesting fact. The interesting fact is this. The toilets can change their gender. When they have a football match, 90% of the toilets are gents and 10% are ladies. When they have a pop concert, 90% of the toilets are ladies and 10% are gents. I bet you never thought a toilet could change its gender. Well, things that you didn't think can change can change. And that includes you. If you yield yourself to God, he can make what you think is impossible happen. So we're, we're left with this question. What would it mean for me to trust God completely? What would it mean for me to trust God completely? Just imagine, Mary could well have answered Gabriel in a totally different way. Gabriel, I'm sorry. This could ruin my relationship with Joseph. Joseph, I'm, uh, Gabriel, I'm sorry. Joseph and I have got other plans for life. Gabriel, I'm sorry. I don't want the stigma of a child born outside marriage. Gabriel, I'm sorry. I don't like the thought of a sword piercing my soul. Gabriel, I'm sorry. I don't want to lose my son in the prime of his life. It's not how Mary responded. May it be to me as you have said. What would it mean for you to trust God completely? Trusting God completely is not the easy option. Trusting God completely will involve sacrifice. Trusting God completely means yielding every part of your life to him. So why would we do it? We would do it because he alone is our God and our maker. 
He alone holds your eternal future in his hands. He alone has loved you to the point of death. He alone can make you whole again. He alone loves you like nothing and no one else ever can. In him alone are you complete and fulfilled. What would it mean for you to trust God completely? Will you turn to him, turn to him from your worry and turn to him in trust? Will you give him access to everything that you have and everything that you are? Your affections, your life, your money, your relationships, your time, your talents, everything? Will you let him work out his plan for your life? Will you hand your future to him? Will you say, yes, Lord, I love you. Yes, Lord, I believe in you. Yes, Lord, I trust you. And as Mary said, I am your servant. May it be to me as you have said. What would it mean for you to trust God completely? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I am so conscious of my past failings, of my own weakness, of the way that I cower away from sacrifice and difficulties and challenges. Yet, Lord, you come by your Holy Spirit and you ask me to trust you completely to put my whole life in your hands. And Lord, I ask myself the question, do I respond in doubt like Zachariah? Or do I respond in faith like Mary? Father, we pray Mary's prayer this morning. May it be to me as you have said for the glory of the name of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus, we pray. Amen.